live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue. It's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the old National Bank talk and text line at 855-616-1620. Good old afternoon, National Wisconsin. Bank. Get old. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Welcome to the show. The Department of Justice is open. we got four shows left. I was listening to a feature that, that Eric Bilstadt did on me about 25 years on the radio, and he was playing some of our old theme songs. And I'm thinking, I love the, I, I love the Blues Brothers theme song. I don't know why we dropped it, so we're going to bring it back for the last four shows. What are do they whatever do, you Vince? want. Right, fire me? Absolutely. <laughs> what are they going to do? No, I, I, I love that. Now, stick around, because th- this affects you sort of indirectly. I let me be self-indulgent for a moment. Well, you've let me be self-indulgent for 25 years, but let me be particularly self-indulgent now, because if I don't point this out, I'm not sure a lot of other people point this out there. um, There are are publications that that kind of track spoken word radio talk radio across the country. One is, is Talkers magazine, and they've been very, very kind to me over the years, I think, for like Nine years in a row and 10 of the last 11, they, they've always, they put me on their most important, 100 most important talk show hosts in the country. How they figured out, I don't know, but I appreciate it. There's an, another, there's another operation called Barrett News Media, which is a little bit newer, but they track radio in general. And every year they come out with their, their top shows in different markets. And, and the way they, they do it is they break it down between the top 20 markets and all the other markets. And then they break it down, morning shows, midday shows, afternoon shows. Unlike like Talkers Magazine, when I'm on that list, I, I'm, I'm mixed in with large markets, small markets, satellite radio, everything. But this is, is more defined. And, and here's, I mean, here's how they, they do this. And um, what they do is, I'm, I'm just going to read it for you. They, they, they survey, they send ballots out to 54 news talk radio programmers and executives. Um, and then... I mean, they, they list all these and they ask people to, to vote on the categories in which their stations and shows operate. And then they just kind of count the, the votes. Um, and it's, it's really interesting. It's kind of a who's who of the top broadcasting companies. Audacity, iHeart, Cumulus, Hubbard, Cox Media Group, Town Square Media, Salem Media Group, Radio One, Alpha, Bonneville, Fox News Radio, Westwood One. It goes on and on. So these are, these are like the program directors and the general managers, et cetera. And so, it's it's really industry peers, and I consider it to be a, a big deal. Now, Vince Vetrano, you guys, Wisconsin Morning News, you made the list. You were number 10 of um, mid-market morning shows yesterday, which I think is quite an accomplishment. And you made the list. You and uh, Steve just the, the so they kind of trickle these out because they also want you to read their stuff. Right, so right. Yesterday was the morning shows list, and today was the afternoon. So the, or the middays. I'm sorry. Right. And uh, you and Steve Scafidi also on the list. I think. What are you number three? Uh, yeah. Last year I, I was number four. And climb in the charts. Ca- climb in the charts. This, so this year, um, right, they came in and uh, the little old Wagner show. What a nice way to go out. Number three in the country. Um, behind two, uh, Bill Cunningham, who's been doing this for longer than I have in Cincinnati. Bill was, was number one and another Cincinnati host. And then, um, me, number, number three. But the, the really cool thing is Steve Scafidi made the list for the first time in the top 10, number eight, which I think is a great accomplishment. And, um, Dan O'Donnell from WISN, number five. So what I think is cool about this, Vince, and I, I've said this for the longest time. 
I the talk I listen to talk when I travel I, I listen to talk radio because I'm just kind of I'm I'm interested in the format but I'm also curious about you know how things are doing. I will stack up the the vibrancy of the talk radio market in southeastern Wisconsin to anywhere in the country, and I don't care whether you're talking about Los Angeles or Chicago or New York or Houston or Dallas, wherever. I, I am as proud of what we do and the people that, that do it, and it's an honor for me to be part of it. And, and this just kind of demonstrates it. Of the top ten in midday markets, you've got three, you know, midday hosts, and you know, you're you're on the list. And I, um, it it's just it, it just shows how vital radio remains, and it's just very very cool. And it's been such a cool part to be part of this industry for all these years. Yeah, you, know, you debate whether or not people outside of you know. These things are mostly for us, sure, and and it feels good yeah. to be recognized by your peers, certainly like that. But I I do think it it bears sharing, so people know, so you reaffirm like you're you're in a good place right here, right? You're listening to a good show, well, and, well right, and, and you're getting the quality, you know that that you don't everyone everybody thinks because we're Milwaukee guys, right? Everybody thinks must be great in these other bigger places, and it's not, right? You're exactly right, and I felt this way in television too, pound for pound. Uh, Milwaukee carries its weight better than many communities, many places much bigger than us. Right, and, and see, and that's what that's what gets you 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 recognized by our peers because they understand that vibrancy and they understand the impact that that you've had. Now, I've always thought that spoken word radio, talk radio, over the years, I think we get more credit, and more blame sometimes than we deserve. <laughs> but 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 regardless, but it, but it just shows again the vibrancy. And it is kind of reinforcing. So, okay, so here's the funny thing today. So I, I'm, I'm telling my wife, I'm telling Fran, hey, you know, this this just came out. I'm on my way out the door, but the number three in, number three in the country, that's not a bad kind way a to be with over here. 100. And she said, well, you know, how, how is this decided? So, I mean, I, I just kind of went through that. Well, they've got all these program directors and general managers from stations all over the country that, that vote, and they cast these votes. And she said, oh, that's pretty cool. That's something good for your resume. <laughs> <laughs> I, said, I said, well, okay, hon, you know, where, where, where are we going from here? You know, it's, <laughs> trying to not need a resume here from here on out. But, but you're, but you're right. Yeah, that's, that, that's right. So when I'm, you know, when I, when I send that, that note to the, I don't know, the, the program director at the small radio station somewhere and say, you ever need a fill in or something? Oh, by the way, here, here's this thing. She said, oh, that sounds pretty good for your resume. And it does, it is good for the reser for that. Yeah. Good for the ego a little bit too. You get any extra points at home? Can you walk a little taller at home? I, I, I walk not. plenty tall. No, it, it just doesn't matter. <laughs> Plus, you know, it, it's interesting about this. this Good for you not thing. take the dog out for yeah, well, a walk. Well, that, that's exactly it. Dog's got to go poop. Go, <laughs> go take it out. Make, make sure you take a bag. Um, the, um, the, the interesting thing about this is that my wife is more emotional about this departure than I am. It, it's She's like, I, I'm just, she said, well, she said, all our, all our friends listen and all this type of stuff, and people are going to miss you. And so that, that's very kind. And, and she's like, I don't know. I mean, I listen to you during the day. She's, I'm just, and she's wondering how I'm going to handle it. I'm like, well, I'm, I'm going to miss it, but I think I'm going to be okay. But she's – now, I don't know how it's going to be as we get closer to Friday and stuff, but she's she's more emotional than I am. And may, maybe it's just – you know, she's tearing up because she's figuring out what it's going to be like to have me around the house, you know, more. I don't know how that's going to work out. I think, I mean, it's, and it's not the same thing as, as hanging up the headphones as you're doing at the end of your career. But in my transition, leaving TMJ4, yeah. there were some similar themes of moving on from something that you've done for more than two decades. And I will tell you, it did sneak up on me in those final moments of, mm-hmm. you know, when you're saying the last words that are going to come out of your mouth on the anchor desk and you... <laughs> you yeah. know, like, and it comes out of nowhere and it kind of gets you and you know and for me and you are in a unique position uh you and steve you do the shows 
by yourselves. And right. so many of us have, have partners. And so for me, for me, it was more saying goodbye to Susan in that way right. as my co-anchor for 15, 16 of those 20 some years. So uh, that, that was another thing. I mean, talk about a crazy thing to do. I left Susan Kim. Right. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Who does that? Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Well, you know, it's, it's going to be interesting. I mean, I, when I left the U.S. Attorney's Office, I'd been there 13, 14 years, and it, it was it was time to go. Nothing nothing lasts forever. No show runs forever. They keep saying so. It was time to go, and I was I was fine with that. But it is interesting. People will always say, "Hey, do you miss being a lawyer? Do you miss the U.S. Attorney's Office?" And I'll say, "Well, I, I miss." I missed the U.S. Attorney's Office in 1987. Let me, let me turn back the clock. And, you know, when we were younger and we were doing the, this stuff, I mean, do I want to do it again? No, absolutely not. But but you do, I mean, especially if you've been blessed, and I think you would say the same thing, to have been able to make, uh, a, I always say this, I mean, it's, it's true. If, you know, and I'm glad my, my boss has never figured this out. I would have probably done this for free if I could figure out a way to live. I mean, yeah. what a, what a, what a great job. I've been blessed all my life. I've, I've, I've done jobs that I would have done for free. I've been well paid to do jobs that I would have probably done for free. And that's not a lot of people can say that. And it matters to you as well as it does to me to be able to do it here. Oh, and uh, we watch so many people and listen to so many people in our lives who come to Milwaukee for a cup of coffee and then they, right. and they move on to those bigger and greater things. And for us to, to be able to do this here, uh, for our home, well, for better and for worse, I always say, you know, the great thing is that, you know, all my friends and family, they get to hear what I do every day. The bad news is my friends and family hear <laughs> what I do every day. Yeah. <laughs> but but really, that's a blessing. And to be able to do it to, in, in, a, in a business where people travel right. and go from market to market to stay here for as long or, as you have. Or, or a radio is is brutal. I have lots of friends who worked in radio who have been. They always kid me. You say, you've never been fired? No, never never been fired. 25 years, not only at the same radio station, my hometown radio station, but the station in essentially the same time slot for almost all those 25 years, which is, if not unheard of, it is not something that happens very often. Um, and, and again, I consider myself to be so fortunate that because, you know, the, the nature of our business is, you're right, you say, first of all, people come and go. It, it's transitory. People yes. move up. And the other thing is, you you know you, you go through ownership changes or format changes. I, I know a lot of really talented people in this industry who've lost their jobs, not not because they've done anything wrong, and actually not because the ratings were bad or anything. It's just because somebody comes in and they decide, okay, we want to change the format or we want to tweak this, and the type of program you do no longer fits. So thanks a lot. Here's your box of future endeavors, and, and best of luck. And, and that's just that's just the reality. And so I've been really fortunate to have worked for. Um, whether it's good karma or scripts or, you know, for journal communications for people who liked what I did and allowed me to continue doing. And that does not happen um, a lot. And it happens more in Milwaukee than other places. I mean, TMJ, uh, WTMJ and, you know, some of the competitors as well. Like there's there's a stability in Milwaukee that we get used to, that we're accustomed to. You go other places and they're blowing stuff up left and right. right yeah. In the manner that you said, you know, the, the hosts come in one morning, it's like, we're country today. Here's your box. Right. What? Or, or on TV, you get a new program director who decides, yeah. well, I don't, you know, I don't like the, I don't like the way you look or you're skewing yeah. a little bit old or I don't like your voice or we want to make a change or whatever. And then, you know, so they blow out the, the news anchors, the reporters. And then typically what happens is two or three years later, the program director gets blown out because right. <laughs> 
T-minus four shows for you. T-minus four shows, absolutely. Uh, which all is all says, I probably should get started with the show. But it was kind of, I, I did I, I did want to just kind of acknowledge that. And if we don't blow our own horns, no, nobody does. And I think it's... You're right um, about that. Congrats to you. So, well, and congrats to you, too. You're number Thank 10. You. And uh, Scafidi makes the list at number eight. And it, it's, again, it, it's the vibrancy. And we're able to do this because you listen to us. And we appreciate it. When we come back, I don't know why the cops shot my kid. Well, I might answer that question. Stick around. Okay, here is the story as it was reported on Fox 6 a couple days ago. This is the headline. Milwaukee police shooting suspect's mother seeks answers. All right, I'll go into the background in just a minute, but the mother seeks answers. A Milwaukee police chase Thursday, this would be last Thursday, ended with officers shooting two men near 51st and Hampton. The mother of one of those men is speaking out. He didn't deserve all that, said the mom. I'm hurt. Officers said one of the two men was her 19-year-old son. She said she's not been able to visit in the hospital and she's worried but also frustrated. The only thing I want him to do is make it. Now she's just waiting um all right mom goes on to say the police say okay there's a chase um they ran and despite verbal commands from the police um they they didn't drop the gun and then there was a shooting mom says it's just like you that's the police wanted to shoot first and ask questions later um both police officers have been put on administrative duty while they evaluate the shooting um mom says that's not enough she wants answers. Okay, well, I've got the answers because they have now issued the charges in connection with this individual and this situation. All right, two Milwaukee men are charged with multiple felonies in connection to a shooting, a police chase, and a December 7th officer-involved shooting. The accused are 22-year-old Kenneth Brown and 19-year-old Kenneth Rogers. That's the that's the kid, the mom, who was saying, I want answers, and putting the cops on administrative leave isn't enough. Police say the pursuit stemmed from an investigation into a December 6th shooting. So this happens the day before, which happened near 29th and St. Paul and wounded a 20-year-old. When police officers tried to stop a Honda SUV wanted in connection to the shooting, police say the driver took off. All right, so this is what starts this whole thing, December 6th. There is a shooting of a 20-year-old um, on 29th and St. Paul. All right. Stop sticks were used at 68th and Hampton, according to police. Um, the chase continued for roughly a mile until the SUV crashed. Police said that the driver and Rogers, who was a passenger in the car, ran off. According to the criminal complaint filed against both men, police squad camera footage showed Rogers, that would be, they're, they're both named, first name Ken, but Rogers is, is the 19-year-old. Uh, according to the com- criminal complaint, police squad camera footage showed Rogers running from the scene carrying a black handgun in his right hand as he ran across the street. Okay? Moms, of course, mom wants answers. Well, okay. 
Police say your kid's running across the street carrying a black handgun. Officers chased after both men, ordering them multiple times to drop the gun. Prosecutors say Brown and Rogers stopped running as the officers continue commanding to drop the gun. Police said two officers fired their weapons, striking both men. Um, after the shooting, the chief said it's not clear whether the gun was ever pointed at both officers. They were both taken into custody. Rogers was critically injured. Brown is expected to be okay. No other injuries were reported. Prosecutors say a forty-five caliber Glock semi-automatic pistol equipped with, wait for it, a laser sight was found on the ground where Rogers was arrested. Court filings state that the gun is likely a ballistics match for a gun used in the shooting near 29th and St. Paul. Okay, so this gun matches the ballistic police say drugs, cocaine, and fentanyl were also found in the SUV. Officers involved in the incident are 26 and 27-year-old man. Both people are on administrative duty. Okay, it gets better. Mom is wondering, you know, why Why did they shoot my boy? What's, what's going on? I want answers. Well, here's some more answers. The Honda CRV that was involved in this had New Mexico plates and was reported stolen December 3rd. The SUV's owners told police that the vehicle was parked in front of a home near Cambridge and Hartford on the city's east side when it was taken. So December 3rd, the car is stolen. A couple days later, it is involved in a shooting. The day after the shooting, the police see the stolen car. They try to pull it over. The car takes off. The people driving the car crack it up, get out, try to flee. One of them is carrying a gun with a laser sight. The the casings match. They come back and, and match what was going on at the shooting the day before. All right. In all, Brown, that would be the 22-year-old, Brown is charged with first-degree recklessly endangering safety, possession of a firearm by a felon, we'll come back to that in just a minute, driving, operating a vehicle without the owner's consent, second-degree recklessly endangering safety, fleeing, eluding an officer, resisting, obstructing an officer, possession with intent to deliver cocaine, possession with intent to deliver fentanyl. Okay, that's a lot of stuff, you know, it, it just all rolled together. The complaint says that Brown was previously convicted of eluding fleeing police in 2019. He could face up to 80 years in prison if convicted in the latest case. More on that in just a minute. Rogers, this would be the 19-year-old that the mom was, I just can't get any answers. I don't know why they did this. Uh, Rogers is charged with possession of a firearm by an adjudicated delinquent. What that means is when he was a minor, he did something that if he was an adult would have risen risen to the level of felony, so he's not allowed to legally have a gun. All right. Driving, operating a vehicle without an owner's consent, resisting, obstructing an officer, possession with intent to deliver cocaine, possession with intent to deliver fentanyl. All right. According to Fox 6, Rogers, this would be the 19-year-old that mom was going, I'm not getting any answers. Rogers has juvenile convictions for attempted robbery. One while armed with a gun. (laughs) Okay, so, all right, obviously, whatever they did, you know, in trying to punish him for what he did as a juvenile didn't work because he's driving around in the stolen car in possession of the gun, which traces back to the shooting the day before. If convicted in this case, he could face more than 60 years in prison. But, of course, since this is Wisconsin and we protect juvenile records, I can't tell you because I can't have access to however many contacts that this 19-year-old had as a juvenile, 
We just know that, I mean, he had the one attempted robbery, one while armed with a gun, which means that he's the equivalent of a felon in possession. The other guy, interesting sort of story. This is the 22-year-old who was driving, pulled his criminal record. These are very young people. So, again, who knows what they did as juveniles. Uh, Let's see, July 26th of 2019, when he was 17, right? That's, I think, yeah, I think... uh, yeah, he would have been 17 if I look at his birthday. I don't think he quite turned 18 yet. Okay, so anyhow, he is charged with operator, again, vehicle or operator fleeing or eluding an officer. He is convicted of this. Um, he is sentenced on January 27th of, 20, of 2020. He, he's sentenced, again, because he was sentenced to prison. My guess is there's a juvenile record. I don't know. But my, my guess is there's stuff that led up to this. Um, but again, he's only 17. The court sentenced the defendant to a maximum term of imprisonment of 39 months. Okay, you might say, okay, three and a half years, that fine. But, 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 um, credit for 189 days time served. The initial term of confinement in the Wisconsin prison system is 15 months. So, and then 24 months on extended supervision. So let's break this down. 15 months is approximately 450 days. He had been in custody for 189 days before that. So that means the sentence, 261 days. So again, you know, less than nine months in in jail, in prison, jail, whatever, you know, for this. And then again, back out on the street on supervision. And we all know how that turned out. So this is... When I am when I'm no longer doing a radio show, I, I do a daily radio show. I, I do hope that there's people in the media who kind of take the time to break down what what the criminal records of these people that are involved in these various crimes are, because it's only when you do that that you begin to realize that what we're doing now isn't working as far as deterring ongoing criminal behavior. And I understand, you know, mom's upset that her 19-year-old son was shot by the police. I I get it. But mom's 19-year-old son was shot by the police because he's been adjudicated delinquent. He's not allowed to have a gun. He apparently has been involved in one shape or form or another in a shooting. At least that's what I, I think. I mean, he's got the gun. The casings come back to the shooting the day before. You're fleeing police. You're carrying a gun. What is one of our rules of life? Well, you know, play stupid games, win stupid prizes. And this is a classic example of play stupid games, play stupid prizes. Get yourself involved in criminal activity. Carry guns when you're not allowed to. Run from the police. Refuse to drop guns. Bad stuff is going to happen to you, period. And, again, this is maybe one of these situations where for both of them, if they had received longer sentences when they had committed their crimes earlier, you know, maybe they wouldn't have been in a position to do what they ended up doing, which now gets them into, you know, lots of trouble. And also the one guy ends up getting shot by the police. No police officer starts their day hoping that, hey, today's the day I get to shoot somebody. But, you know, you run from the cops under circumstances like this. You're carrying weapons that you refuse to drop. Sorry. Bad stuff is going to happen. So, you know, mom, mom wonders about, you know, gee, I, I want, I want answers. Well, the criminal complaint provides a lot of answers. When we come back, Rudy, 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 stick around. 
Rudy, Rudy. I, I've told this story before. I, I knew Rudy Giuliani before he was America's mayor. When I went to work for the United States Attorney's Office after I got out of law school in 1982, Rudy was the um, U.S. Attorney for the Southern District of New York. And, you know, he was, um, I think one of the things that he committed to, and in part because it sort of fed into his ego and things like that, but, but Rudy was really serious about, okay, we're, we're going to use the new racketeering law, RICO, and, and what we're going to do is we're going to go after bad actors, and we're going to go after the mob, and we're going to go after big time drug dealers, et cetera. And, and he gave his, his assistant U.S. attorneys, I mean, he gave them, you know, a, a full, full head to go after, go and do that. Now, the, the, the only downside about Rudy was that he was always sort of arrogant and ego-driven, and he'd take a lot of credit for the work. I, I was always fortunate. The two U.S. attorneys that I worked under were they, – they, they didn't want credit for what other people did. And so, you know, if, there, if we had a big drug indictment to announce or something, you know, the, the people that, that actually did the work on the case, you know, were the ones that showed up. Rudy was the guy, you know, the assistants did the work, and he'd show up, and he'd, and he'd take the credit. But that's okay because he, you know, he gave the assistant U.S. attorneys, he, he was committed, okay, we're going to be aggressive about this. So, I mean, I first met Rudy Giuliani at a couple um, – like seminars and stuff over the years. He went on to become the, the mayor of New York City. You know, and for, for a while, I mean, there were people that thought he had a, a realistic chance of, of being elected president of the United States. And that, that campaign, you know, kind of, that, that it kind of imploded for a number of reasons. And, and Rudy Giuliani's kind of been on a, a downward slope since then. And it's amazing because I think back to the Rudy Giuliani that I met in the 1980s, and you see what he has become, and you go, oh, my goodness, Rudy, 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 Rudy. So anyhow, I think everybody knows the story. Um, Giuliani became kind of like a consigliere for, for Donald Trump. And regardless of whether you love Trump, hate Trump, or somewhere in between, one of the things that nobody can argue with is that people in Trump's orbit almost always crash and burn. I mean, and the list, the, the list just goes on and on and on. You know, people who <clears throat> are loyal to Donald Trump, he uses them until they're no longer useful to him, and then he casts them aside. And a lot of times along the way, these folks have done stuff that they prob at the urging of Trump, that they probably would not have done otherwise, and it almost never works out well. And, you know, Trump, for at least a while, for actually for most of his life, has been able to kind of skate from thing to thing, but leaving you know, leaving people, you know, in the debris behind the, the, the hurricane. Um, and Rudy Giuliani is one of those guys. For whatever reason, I think that this thirst for power or relevance, um, when Trump became president, Rudy Giuliani decided that he was going to, again, attach his star to, to Trump. And I think, I mean, Giuliani wanted all sorts of different posts. I mean, I think he wanted to be the U.S. Attorney General. Didn't get that. I think he wanted to be Secretary of State. He didn't get that. But but nevertheless, he became one of the huge defenders of, of Donald Trump, and he continued that way during the campaign. And then after the 2020 election went bad, Giuliani was one of the, the faces of the election denier movement. And he went on – he went on any – I mean, 
you know, if you want to talk about a dangerous place to be after the election, it was between Rudy Giuliani and a TV camera because, I mean, he was all over, you know, every crackpot theory that somebody came up with, Giuliani was on TV and he was espousing, you know, that crackpot theory in an effort to try to sell the notion that, that Donald Trump had won the election when reality he hadn't won the, the election. But Giuliani, it was like no claim was too strange. No claim was too out of bounds for him to do, to make. Well, okay, here, here's one of the things that, that anybody who's been a public figure, you know, learns early on. There, there's stuff you can say and there's stuff you can't say. And when you start naming private individuals, you know, and then accusing them of all sorts of stuff, you, you better... You better have a good faith basis for for doing that. And, you know, what happened is, you know, Giuliani, um, among the various, you know, things that, that he said, he went after the, these two poll workers um, in in Georgia. Um, and what he did is he um, well, there, there, there are two of them. And one's named Ruby Freeman. The other is named Shea Moss. And, you know, he, he went on TV and. And what they did is um, they were among the poll workers who tabulated ballots at the State Farm Arena in Atlanta. This is you know, Georgia, which is one of the contested states. In the days that followed, Giuliani spread a theory that video footage showed these two poll workers. Now, these aren't these aren't public figures. These aren't like you're, you're accusing a congressman of doing something or whatever. These these are just two poll workers. He spread a theory that video footage showed them removing ballots from suitcases from underneath tables. Donald Trump also pushed the claim. Um, these, it just, it, it, it wasn't true. There was nothing to that. Giuliani repeatedly disparaged the women, once even falsely claiming the video fitted footage of showed Freeman, of, of Freeman handing her daughter a ginger mitt, showed them passing around USB drives like vials of heroin or cocaine. Um, and so what, what happened after this and after they were identified publicly is, is these two people and they're just they're poll workers and their life became a living. You know what? Because <clears throat> all sorts of people listened to Giuliani. They believed him. They were getting death threats. They were getting, you know, racist um, emails and things like that. One of them had to move out of her home for two months at the recommendation of the, you know, FBI. Her daughter is getting messages that say, and they're both black, saying, you know, be glad it's 2020, not 1920. You know, I mean, it's this, their lives were upended and you could say destroyed. And they were terrified by, you know, somebody like Rudy Giuliani, you know, going on national TV and making all these false claims uh, against them. So now there's a lawsuit that's going on. It's <clears throat> it's defamation. They're asking for 40 some million dollars, which I, I think is just a crazy number. Now, I, I don't I, I don't, you know, awarding 43 million dollars, I think, would be ridiculous. Moreover, um, I one of my professors at law school who became a dear friend of mine over the years, he passed away a few years back, Jim Giardi. He always used to say, well, you can sue anybody. But the question is, you know, can you collect? You know, I mean, you, you can get a $43 million verdict, but if somebody doesn't have a pot to you-know-what in, you know, just put that paper up on the wall. And, you know, Rudy Giuliani doesn't have close to $43 million. Rudy Giuliani, his career choices over the last several years has has cost him, you know, his 
his livelihood is pretty much shot, <clears throat> and money he had is, is pretty much gone. So I don't know what I don't know what his assets are in connection with this. He owes his lawyers one point four million dollars. He's got all these other problems that are going around. So you can give him a forty three million dollar verdict. He's not going to pay for it. And I don't know that their damages entail you know or anything close to forty three million, regardless of what the jury does. But here here's the bottom line. You know, Rudy Giuliani was at one point in time, I think, a great man. If you look at what what he did in the U.S. Attorney's Office for the Southern District of New York, if you looked at the things he did when he was the mayor of New York, this this guy was a great guy. And for whatever reasons, he just completely went off the rails. And now, you know, he's embroiled in this trial, which uh, to the extent he's not already ruined financially, probably will continue to ruin him financially. And that's how he finishes out his days. It's just like how the mighty have fallen. But it's another example of just the the choices that, that people make. And for whatever reasons, deciding that in his thirst for publicity and attention, that he decided he was going to hitch his wagon to Donald Trump and some of the Trump claims back in 2020, um, he, he's paying the price. No sympathy, but Rudy, Rudy. Rudy, back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. I have always said that the most difficult day to do a radio talk show in this market was the day after the Packers lose. Because everybody's in a crummy mood. I mean, it, it doesn't it, it, it doesn't matter what the topic is, for example. Everybody's, well, I agree with you, but because, you know, the Packers lost and stuff. I, I don't... You know, so I'm watching the game last night, and I'm I am yelling at the TV. My, my take on this was: first of all, they deserve to lose. The Giants played better than they did. Having said that, you know, after there was that freak fumble and they got the ball back, th- this this was a game they should have won. And even mediocre teams take advantage of that. And I mean, of course, you know, at the end. The defense that they have all these high draft picks and they spend all this money on, the defense just isn't any good. And and to allow one of the worst teams in football, one of the worst offenses in football, to go 50 or 60 yards in like 35 seconds um, at the end of the game to kick the game-winning field goal, it's just inexcusable, bringing to mind, once again, the the defensive coordinator. I don't care if they won three games in a row. This defensive coordinator, it's just... You know, with all the talent and all the money they've spent on defense, you can't let this happen. Having said that, though, I was not as upset as I normally am because the truth of the matter, Packers fans, and I am one of you, is that this this team's not going anywhere this year. I mean, okay, so you make the first round of the playoffs and you get drilled by San Francisco or Dallas or Philadelphia. I mean, they're just not that good. Maybe, Maybe they're a year or two away. I certainly hope that that's the case. But... You know, the only reason they've got a chance to make the playoffs is because, with the exception of a couple teams at the top of the national, the NFC, again, Dallas, Philadelphia, San Francisco, nobody's that good. There's just, there's a bunch, what are the like five or six teams that are all tied with six and seven records? I mean, that just tells you that, that nobody is, is that good. And the Packers are certainly in that category. So I was watching this game thinking, I cannot believe that they're getting outplayed by the New York Giants. And then I'm thinking, I can't believe that even though they've been completely outplayed, they have a chance to steal this game to, oh, same old Packers. <laughs> they just can't make a stop when they come up to it. So, I mean, they're, they're six and seven. I, I'm, will I watch the last four games? Of course I am. I'm going to root for them. Yeah, absolutely. Would you love to see them go nine and eight or 10 and seven and make the playoffs? Absolutely. Do I think they have a chance to do it? Yeah, I guess they got a chance. But at the end of the day, let's face it, they're not, 
you don't need to book your tickets to Las Vegas because they're not going to the Super Bowl. That that's just <clears throat> that's just the reality. And the other thing, all right, two years ago they bring in this special teams coach who is paid two million dollars, two million dollars to coach the special teams. Well, I, can you say? Can you say waste of money? Because, I I mean, I I don't know whether it's him or whether it's the players. These special teams are absolutely awful, terrible. I'm seeing the graphic, most penalized special teams in in the NFL. Okay, that's that's coaching. I mean, it's the players that do it, but that's coaching. And then, oh, my goodness gracious, you're watching like the punt return guy, you know, catches the ball, fumbles it. Instead of just falling on it, decides to pick it up and fumbles it again. I mean... It's painful to watch this team. Doesn't mean I'm not a fan. I am a fan. I think in many respects they've probably overachieved this year. But last night, what a frustrating game. So you don't need to call in and say, boy, I'm frustrated. Because I'm frustrated too. But truth is, I, I'm I'm kind of comfortable with the idea that they're really not that good. So, you know, I just I watch the games and then I sleep just fine afterwards. Let's take a quick break. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. So very glad to have you with us coming up after the top of the hour news it is a segment that i do maybe maybe once a year maybe once every two years and i figure well i've got one more chance to do it and it's coming up in just a couple minutes it's a segment called i was wondering stick around talk to you about it in just a few moments Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the old National Bank Talk and Text Line at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome back to the show. Yeah, Greg Matzik. We're going old school. I was listening to um, Eric Bilstead did a feature on on 25 years of the show, and I, I'd forgotten a lot of the opens we used and things like that. And that's I, that's the Blues Brothers theme, and I love that. And I don't I don't know why I scrapped it. But we, we went through. Remember, we went through a period where it was all big on jingles and stuff. Jeff Wagner. Yeah, right. <laughs> we were. We were. We, I, I we, always aspired to have one. Right. Exactly. <laughs> we, we, it's, it's, trust me, it's not that big a deal. We, we went through. We went through these, and then we'd have these these big. 45 second or a minute. I, I timed, you know, when Sykes is open, you know, with the Bravehearts, it was an, a minute and a half. Yeah, right. We don't have that much time for programming. By the time you factor in, we used to have the bottom of the hour newscast and all the commercials and stuff, and you're taking up a minute and a half with these, like, opens and stuff. And we, we, we kind of gotten away from that. I was like, let's make it shorter. Let's have more content. Uh, you also got back to in the last week, and maybe I missed it, but uh, saying the Department of the Justice Depar- is absolutely. open, right? That's right. classic. That was that was classic. It, it kind of motivated me back. I, I that's of course how we we started this, and I had a program director, and and you know how this goes. And I, we'd go into these meetings every, every month, and I could beaten up on that because it said, well, the show is much more than just the Department of Justice. You talk about more than just like crime issues and stuff. But I, I said that's an overall branding thing, and we we'd get into these battles, and and finally it was just like I, I just. It's I get tired of get fighting the fight. So okay, we'll we'll call this whatever as long as long as you're putting money in my checking account yeah, twice right. a month. I'm I, 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 I don't care. It doesn't matter. Have you gotten your property tax? Uh, you did the piece about property taxes. Going uh, up? Yes. So uh, we did, and, and ours uh, ours is up uh, a, a, a fair amount. However, mm-hmm. I will also say this: we got losing track of time here. Maybe August, September. 
we got reassessed. So we built okay. a house about seven years ago in Waukesha County. Right. And we were sort of flying under the radar, I think, with right. many new yeah. homes in Waukesha County. So we, we'd been getting the better end of that. The initial assessment is what we rode for about seven years. And as you can imagine, it, it went up considerably. So our, our tax bill went up, if I'm being <laughs> honest, a little less than I anticipated given the reassessment. Yeah, we got ours. <clears throat> I, I had checked it last week just because I, I, you know, they, they posted it online like at the end of the week last week. So, and, and then it came in the mail yesterday. And I actually, I, ours went up like a couple hundred bucks. It was, it was not bad at all. I ran over to City Hall this morning and I paid it because I figured I, I don't want to take another look Get at it. Done, it. Here, yeah. it right here. I want that receipt. I want it, I, I want it all paid for. So, you know, we, but again, we, we didn't have the, the reassessment and because that's, that is what kind of jacks up your rates. Yeah. That was a big one. So we, we end up, uh, up maybe eight or 900 from a year ago. Uh, not the end of the world. I expected it to go up. We prepared for it, but right. yeah, the, the the reassessment letter was oh boy, here it yeah, comes. Yeah, but but of course the problem is with that is that you can't you you can't argue with it really because you my my guess is it, it's probably a reasonable sort of assessment. You know, it, it, if you turned around to sell your house, you could probably get easily what they assess your I, house. I think at. that that's the justification, right? I think we would probably sell it for more than the assessment. Tells us, yeah, that that's our our place in Southwest Florida. Same sort of thing. We we bought it at an ideal, purchased it at an ideal time for a lot of reasons, and property values have just exploded down there over the last mm. few years. And so when I got the property taxes, they come out early November where I live in Florida, and you know, and it was it, it was up, and I'm like, oh, this, this is this is up. But it, it again, it's like I'm looking at well. It's based on this is what they say the house is worth. And, you know, the truth is it, it's not like I could go into City Hall and say, oh, this is way overvalued because sure. they'd say, hey, look at these listings in your neighborhoods and stuff. And you can't fight that. Uh, state income tax did not go up in Florida, though, is if I'm understanding correctly. Right. right? There is no state income tax <laughs> right. in Florida. Right. That's uh, that's a good thing. Six. Well, you got to be a resident there, but <clears throat> six months in a day you have to you have to for Wisconsin, you have to be. Some people think you like have to be in Florida for six months a day. No, you have to be out of Wisconsin for six months in a day. Okay. So if you are, I mean, I have friends who are going for for that, and I I don't know what we're. I just we I really haven't thought what we're going to do next year. But I mean, like I have friends who keep track of. Oh, you know, we're in Las Vegas for four days, so that that counts as being out of the state. Okay. Or you know, so but I I have friends who there's there's all these different at Mike Jacobs. You know, Mike, Mike Jacobs, I mean, he, he had he had an app and he would take he, they would keep track of, you know, every day he was out of the state, every day his wife was out of the state. I mean, it's you know, it, it's quite interesting how you do it. That's a game to play, isn't it? Well, the, the other reality, I mean, I don't know, you know, if I was if I was a billionaire, um, maybe the state of Wisconsin would care. I, I think for average, average Jeffs and average Gregs, I, I'm not sure that the state of Wisconsin really is going to audit me as if I decide to to be a, a resident of Florida. But there's a, there's advantages to being a resident of the state of Wisconsin too. Sure. I love Wisconsin. You know, hate to change the driver's license <laughs> and do all that stuff. You know? It's part of you. <laughs> it is. It well, it it is. And you want to? I mean, I I think maybe I'm looking forward to voting up here and stuff. But at the same time, that no state tax is kind of an appeal. Yeah, it is. It's That's it. All right. Be well, Greg. Okay. Here's what we're going to do. Um, over the years. And and as I was saying at the start of the show, I listen to lots of spoken word radio. I'm I'm a fan of this. And and I hear and and different people approach stuff in different ways. And I know there's a lot of talk show hosts who um, a lot of talk show hosts who, you know, will regularly do like open lines, which means they let people call in and talk about whatever they want. 
I, I've never been a big fan of that because, candidly, I, I've always thought one of my strengths is that I, I think I'm pretty good at identifying topics, and then I think that's kind of what my job is. You identify the topic, you figure out what your take is on it, I present it, then you react to it, and, and then we go from there. But but I, I, I know that there's a lot of people who, who do it. Some do it on a regular basis. Some do it occasionally. I, I always do it. I, I've done it you know, maybe once a year, once every couple years. But since this is the last week of the program, and since, you know, we're, we're winding down, I, I thought I would turn over at least a couple segments to you. Uh, I, I call the segment, I was wondering. The only deal is you have to start off your question, comment, whatever, with I was wondering, dot, 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 and then you can, can go from there. But um, if there's anything that you would like to talk about or discuss, and I, I'm getting all sorts of emails and texts on all sorts of, of different things, um, th- this is the segment. We're going to turn it over to you. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the Old National Bank talk and text line. I was wondering, what were you wondering? And I'll try to do my best to answer that or share my thoughts with you. I was wondering, 855-616-1620. Back with your calls and texts in just a moment. 855-616-1620. Okay, this is your last chance. I was wondering. Uh, let's go through these. Jeff, I was wondering why you have so many commercials. I realize you have to have some at times, but it's like every seven minutes, three or four minutes. Well, actually, when we dropped the bottom of the hour news several months ago, that, that did add more time to content. I, I've always said, though, I, I never apologize for the commercials because that, that, that means that advertisers want to advertise and I think station management would say, we got to pay Wagner's salary. So, of course, we have to run commercials. Um, let's see. Um, Jeff, um, I was wondering who will take your 12 to 3 time slot. I'm getting that question a lot. The honest answer is I do not know. And, and I said that to somebody and they didn't believe me. I, I don't know. I'm not, you know, my rule of life is stay in your lane. I, I don't know what the plan is. I don't think there's going to be just one person that comes in and is the next Jeff Wagner. I think there's going to be, you know, different things that go on, but I do not know. I'm not part of those discussions. All I know is that um, um, my my last original show is this Friday. They're going to be playing best ofs for the next couple weeks. I'm still on the payroll till the end of the month. I've got accumulated vacation. So uh, our, our staff, and they've really, the news department's done a great job. They've gone back years and years and years of, of Wagner, and they, they're, they're turning this into three-hour shows. They're going to play that for two weeks. After that, I honestly don't know what's going to happen, although I don't think there's going to be just one person that comes in and does the three-hour slot. So I, I think there's going to be some changes there, but I don't know. They'll be making some announcements sometime soon. Um, 855-616-1620. Okay, let's just go right down the line. Uh, Terry in Joliet, Illinois. Hi, Terry. You're on WTMJ. How are you doing, Jeff? I am well, thank you. Okay, question. So I was wondering. I was wondering. Okay. <laughs> yep, I was wondering. <laughs> Through all the great years that you've blessed us with was there any one topic that you thought really excited about was going to do great and completely bombed and then vice versa (laughs) you thought was going to bomb and end up taking off you know i I, you know i can't pick one it happens all the time you know i'm I'm, you know it it will be there'll there'll be all and and it's tough to say bomb because 
What I find a lot of times is one of the mistakes talk show hosts make is they, they judge, okay, did you get a huge phone response? That doesn't necessarily mean that it's not an interesting topic. But it happens all the time. I'll have something that say, boy, I think this is going to just absolutely jam the phone lines, and I'll be getting hundreds and hundreds of texts, and then it, you know, it goes nowhere. And then I'll have these other little things, and I'll think, oh, I'm just going to do this as a throw-in. So I, I, I can't think of one, but to, to let you know it happens all the time. Hey, thanks for listening, Terry. And and it just and you just you just kind of never know. Eight five five six one six one six twenty. Scott in South Milwaukee. Scott, good afternoon. Uh, good afternoon, Jeff, and thanks for taking my phone yes, call. Sir. Just before I ask my question, I just, I just want to say thank you for your twenty five years on on the air. Thanks for you've listening. been a great you've been a great host and um and like one of my relatives, whatever said because who listens to your show, whatever, and called me at one time and said, you you know, Jeff likes your question when he gives you a follow-up. So thank you for actively <laughs> listening and participating. So then here's my, so then here, here's my, um, um, I was wondering question. Okay. So I was wondering how your career trajectory would have changed. Had you won the 1994 Wisconsin attorney general race against Jim Doyle. Okay. Um, thank you for the call, Scott. All right. That it's, it is funny you were wondering that because my brother and I were, were just having that conversation. For people who don't know, um, I, 1994, I was the Republican nominee for attorney general, um, did not win the race. I thought we ran a competitive race, but didn't win. And then I, I, I am the, the best, honest to God, the best thing that happened to me was I lost that race. And you just, you just I didn't realize it at the time. But it's the best thing that happened to me because what happened is it ended up opening the door for me like nine months later to start filling in on, on talk radio. And then it opened the door for this full-time gig that, honest to God, I thought I was going to do for a year or two. And 25 years later, I'm still doing it. If I had gotten elected, I would have probably served one or two terms as the attorney general. And then I would have either run for some higher office and lost or won or whatever. But ultimately, I would have been back trying to find a job at some silk stocking law firm or something like that. The best thing that ever happened to me, well, one of the best things, marrying my first wife, Sue, and marrying my second wife, Fran, were the best things. But one of the, from a professional standpoint, losing that race because it opened up doors uh, to just, I, I wouldn't have been doing this if I had won that race. And I have just thoroughly enjoyed it. And that is the honest-to-goodness truth. Um, let's talk to Sam in Milwaukee. Sam, you're on WTMJ. Hey, Jeff. Hi, uh, I was wondering, uh, from one legend to another, have you kept in contact with Gene Miller? And if so, how's he doing? Um, thanks for the call. Yeah, yes, and um, thanks for the legend response. Um, yeah, I, um, I, yeah, I run into Gene all the time. I, I run into Gene at, at baseball games. Uh, Gene looks great. When last time I saw him, he, he, he's, he's grown this full beard, and I don't look good in beards, but it, it suits Gene well. And you know, we we have conversations. Like I say, we we both go. We both have like twenty pack tickets to ball games. So I mean, I, I see Gene. I don't want to say quite a bit, but we keep talking about how it, we, we've got to go out and, you know, get beers and stuff like that. But Gene is doing extremely, extremely well, and I, I could not be happier for that. Tom in Franklin. Tom, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hey, Jeff. Hi, uh, congratulations on your uh, longevity. Thanks. But I, have, I was wondering, are you still friends with Charlie Sykes? Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I, I don't. Um, thanks for calling. Let me. Let me. Okay, yeah, I, I am. Um, I, I always explain this, and I, and 
I mean, I think maybe what his question is alluding to is the fact that Charlie is kind of, you know, kind of created a sort of like, um, I, I don't know, little his own little industry about, you know, being anti-Trump and, and stuff like that. And you see him on MSNBC. Let me say this. Um, I, I have many failings as a human being. One is that ingratitude is, is not one of them. When I started at WTMJ, um, part-time in the summer of 1998, Charlie could not have been more gracious and nicer. I mean, I was filling in for him. He used me as a regular on his television show back then. Um, when I started full time in 1998, I, I, I continued to, you know, do do. I, I was the guest host whenever he wasn't available on TV, and we we really he he did a lot to try to promote me. I have never ever forgotten that. You know, the, the truth is, Charlie and I always had different sets of friends we kind of ran in, in different sort of circles and i don't see him that much anymore but yeah i i at least i certainly i certainly consider him to be a, a friend and i i hope he considers the the same way okay we're going to continue um i was wondering back with more of your calls and texts in just a moment this is a very enjoyable segment to me because i'm, I'm generally not introspective and some people are asking me this question one of our questions the text line is jeff um I, what, do you have a favorite moment or memory during your time at WTMJ? And, I, you know, I just, okay, I tried, I closed my eyes. I, I will tell you, I remember my first day walking into our studios on Capitol Drive. And, and look, I, I appreciate legacy. And I, I just, I remember pushing the button. I distinctly remember this. And I'm thinking, my God, I'm sitting in this studio where it's the, I mean, it's been the station of record for my entire life. And I'm sitting behind the same microphone that, that legends like Gordon Hinckley and, and Jack Baker were at. And I, I, re- and I think this is me. And I mean, I, I remember, you know, pushing, pushing that button for the first time. And I, I just, I had this thrill of being on the air. And you know, I, I've never lost that. So that might seem like kind of a dodge of that, but it's just, I remember my first day th- distinctly. And then I remember the first day that I got my full-time show in um, early November of 1998. And it was the same thing. I just kept thinking, hey, hey, pinch me. I can't believe that I'm getting paid to do this. And that, that little thrill of wonderment has never, um, never disappeared. Okay. Steve in Oak Creek. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello. I was wondering why you chose the University of South Dakota for your undergraduate degree and what your experience there was like. Can I ask you a question? Why do you why do you wonder that? What what's you just think that's an odd choice for somebody from Milwaukee to go to? Uh, no, but my family's from South Dakota, oh. so that's why I'm wondering. And oh. you've always talked about your experience at Marquette Law School, but not South Dakota. Okay, all right, fair enough. Thanks. Just okay. Here here is the deal. Yes, I was a coyote. And, and I understand some people say they're coyotes, but if you, if you're in South Dakota, they call them the coyotes, you know, and, and I get it. It's wily coyote, but okay. So I, I was a coyote. So how did you, how Jeff did a city boy get to Vermilion, South Dakota? Well, um, I, I was bought. I, here, here, here's what happened. I was in high school. Look, every, everybody has different things and, you know, there's, there's athletes and stuff like that. I was big into interscholastic debate. And I, there was a guy who was one of the top debate coaches in the country. His name was Bill Bennett. And he, at the time, was the debate coach at Bowdoin University in Maine. And he recruited me. You know, and they had a national debate program, and you get a chance to see the country and things like that. So I was all set to enroll in, in Bowdoin. And, and you know, Bill wanted me there. 
And then he left Bill, leaves Bowdoin University in Maine, and ends up at the University of South Dakota to try to build a national debate program. So he calls me up and he says, we'd, we'd like to try to build this program around you. Will you come? And and um, I went from Bowdoin, Maine to Vermilion, South Dakota. And we, we had it. Had I, I did it for two years. Um, it was just a it was just an absolute great time. I got a chance to to see the country. I mean, we traveled every weekend in, in the fall. We were we were on the East Coast. We were on the West Coast. We were all over. It, it was a great experience. And I burned out after a couple of years. But um, I, I, you know, I, I like South Dakota. The thing about Vermilion, South Dakota, was that, you know, after about two weeks, you've done at least back then. I don't know what it's like now. I haven't been back in a long time. You, you'd done everything there was to do, to do about two or three times. So it, it but I, I enjoyed it and um, I, I enjoyed my my time there. But it was I again, I, I've been I've been really fortunate in my life where I, I know when it's time and I, I knew it was time to, to do something different. And um, but I, I enjoyed that. OK, let's talk to. Let's see, Ray in Fond du Lac. Ray, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hi, Jeff. Good afternoon, and congratulations on the retirement. But I was wondering your favorite or most memorable interview. Okay. Um, You know, my answer, Ray, is going to be extremely politically incorrect. But I, we're, we're going to be answering this looking back on 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 time. My favorite interview over all these years, Bill Cosby. <laughs> I, I, Bill Cosby. And, 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 and look, and this is, and, and of course, now, again, I understand people say that. Bill Cosby. Well, this is, I mean, I had a chance. Bill Cosby was coming to Milwaukee to do a show or something. And, you know, he, he came on the air to talk about it. And this is before all the stuff about Bill Cosby and the women and stuff like that came out. He was gracious. He was fun. I remember at one point in time, I said, you know, Bill, would you do Fat Albert for me? And he'd go, hey, hey, hey. He was just, I, I just, I had a blast. And I think it was supposed to be a 10-minute interview, and it turned into 25 minutes. And so I, I I understand that, you know, Bill Cosby's had all these you know issues and stuff that came up, but he was wonderful on the radio back in the day. So th- thanks for the call. I mean, it's, and, you know, it's, it's maybe people think that that's odd, but I just, um I, then the corollary to that is who's the worst interview, and I just the guy's still alive, so I don't feel comfortable saying that. But um, some of these Hollywood stars and stuff can be really, really difficult. Um, but yeah, eight five five six one six one six twenty. Let's talk to Matt in Whitefish Bay. Matt, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, hey, congratulations, my Thank man. You. Thanks, uh, I know you got a lot of fans up in Watoma, so. Yep. Harry I love Watoma. Boys, hey? I love Watoma. Ah, Grimm's, good times. You ever been to Grimm times? Yeah, that's another. That's a good spot. Hey, I was wondering, what's the first day of retirement look for look like for you, and when is it too early to start drinking? <laughs> well, uh, thanks for the call. Well, at, at first day of retirement, I'm not sure it's it's ever too early. Here is what the first day. Here's what Saturday looks like. Um, my brother is getting married Saturday evening, so Saturday, mo- and we're having. My my wife is one of of eight of uh, seven siblings. She's she's got um, four. And in, long story short, she's got seven sisters, and there uh, four of them are coming over to our house on Sunday. So Saturday morning, my assignment is I've got to go pick up stuff 
like heading over to the ham store. I've got to pick up stuff for the party on Sunday, and then I've got to get ready because my brother's getting married Saturday night. So I've got to got to go to that. So it's going to be very very hectic. the The bigger question is going to be, you know, what's what's retirement a week or two from now going to look like? Because that's that's the one that I candidly I'm kind of sitting there thinking, okay, how 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 are you going to handle this? You know, it's it's there's a, a rush of stuff that's coming up, but um, I, I'm I'm wondering how that's I'm wondering how that's going to be. I was telling the story earlier. I, I I'm a news junkie, so I'll, I'll sit there and I'll I'll pull up all these different websites and stuff that I read, and I, I print things up because hey, that might be an interesting topic. Well, now no no, no longer a need to to print the stuff up. I, I'm wondering how I'm going to adapt on that okay let's take a quick break back with more in just a minute i was wondering this is jeff wagner jeff i was wondering why you don't get as much vacation time as john mercure (laughs) he must have a better agent than i had i got plenty of vacation time i've been treated very well by all the iterations of this company over the years. Jeff, I was wondering, how did you meet your wife, Fran? Congratulations on your retirement. Well, um, I think a lot of people know my story. My first wife, Sue, and I met when we were in law school and uh, got married and were together for going on 30 years. And she passed away um, after an, her, his, just a, an absolutely incredibly courageous battle against um, liver cancer for about a year. And she passed away in um, 2016. One of our favorite restaurants was a place in Brown Deer called the River Lane Inn, and Fran was she she managed the the River Lane Inn. We used to go there all the time. Fran will always say that she she liked Sue better, and she liked me. <laughs> she'll, she'll that'll be first to say. And um, so we we had gotten to know her through there, and then um, you know Sue ended up passing away, and the River Lane Inn got sold, and Fran was uh, working somewhere else in the West Bend area, and you know, we we kind of fell out of touch, and then. For, for some somehow, I don't know if she reached out to me and said, "How you doing?" or something. Be you know, after you know, it had been a while since Sue had passed, and we you know saw each other, and then um, you know just started talking, and one thing led to another, and ended up getting married. So I I have outkicked my coverage in affairs of the heart uh, twice, and I, I I freely I freely admit that I have been blessed in my life to have have had both those wonderful women in my life. Um, so let's see. Um, 855-616-1620. Let's talk to uh, Chris in New Berlin. Chris, you're on WTMJ. Jeff, congratulations on 25 Thank years. You. We have agreed often, disagreed occasionally, but respectfully. I thank you for being a person that's never confused volume with being correct. <laughs> thank you. Thank you for being that on-air personality. I was wondering, what topic in your 25 years do you think you've gotten the biggest change of position or opinion, where you started at A and wound up at B, and they are so far apart you couldn't believe it? The war in Iraq. The war in Iraq, you know, the, I mean, I, I the whole weapons of mass destruction thing and all that. Um, I mean, I think that's, and, and again, that's one of the things where, um, you know, I talk a lot of times about the, what they call the fog of war, how you have all this stuff that's going on and, you know, you, you think that there's, there's one conclusion and it, it turns out that you're wrong. And I, I think, you know, the, the, the war in Iraq, I, I, you know, I, I think that, you know, you can make, you can make an argument about whether the world is a better place and has been a better place with, with Saddam Hussein not in it. But the justification was the weapons of mass destruction and things like that. And that was 
uh, we, you know, the, the intelligence was wrong. Uh, the, the premise of that was wrong. And as somebody who endorsed our military involvement at the time, based on, you know, the information that we had, I, I, I think clearly, I mean, if I look back, I, I think it's the, it, it's the war in Iraq. Um, 855-616-1620. Bob in Greenfield. Bob, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Jeff. Um, I was wondering how you see the, um, the crime in Milwaukee in 10 years, um, maybe do we need more prisons, more cops, uh, the rights of the accused to be lessened? Um, it, it just seems like there's no stopping it. I, uh, Bob, thanks for the call. I, I don't see it getting better. I, I mean, I don't need to be a negative Nelly here, but I, I we, there, there is there is a disconnect between policymakers and elected officials and judges and prosecutors there, there's a disconnect between them and the 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 general public on the issue of crime and I, and I don't see how that's that's going to change I mean I, I look I, I talk regularly about the the lack of accountability and the people committing crime after crime after crime I don't sense that there's any I don't sense that there's any change to that i mean I, I i look at what happens with like circuit court judges so you have conservative circuit court judges who get appointed you know who i think really would have been or are tough on crime they you know they're, they're appointed by scott walker they get beat not because they're not good judges but because okay well scott walker appointed them so we want want somebody else and you you get that there's somebody else and it's just the philosophy that people end up bringing i i don't think it's going to get any any better and i'm not i'm not thrilled to say it now the numbers the numbers may or may not go down on the margins i mean the truth is so many cars right now just let's take car theft so many cars were were stolen a year or two ago that it it almost it couldn't continue to go up i mean the numbers were just so staggering but i i think you're going to see you know numbers are going to vary but do i think that do i think that there's going to be this sea change of attitude where suddenly we decide that we're going to hold people accountable no i'm I'm sorry to say i don't and and this and this is what frustrates me because as i've said before i believe most people are are basically honest I, i think most people are not inclined to be criminals the problem you have is you have a subset of the population two percent five percent ten percent i don't know but but just that they don't abide by societal norms and and they're criminals and they're going to be criminals and so what we have to do is you have to hold them accountable and it's one of the reasons why i do these bits all the time about hey let, let's figure out what this person's background was and you know they don't wake up one day and say hey today's the day i'm taking the handgun with the laser sight and i'm going to try to you know be involved in a shooting with this that, that you don't wake up and do that normally you've done a lot of stuff leading up to that and you've never been held accountable for it and and, and until we start going back to the, the broken window style of policing and holding people accountable because the little stuff does matter because that's the only way to stop people from getting involved in the big stuff. And as far as the people that are the repeat criminals, instead of just slapping them on the wrist and sending them back out on the street, you know, and telling them, okay, don't do it again, you got to hold them accountable. And yes, I know that means building more prisons. Oh, Jeff, how can you build more prisons? Well, you've got to because the cost of not building those prisons is too great. James on the south side. James, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, Jeff. Um, I'm gonna. I'm really gonna miss you because I think you 
open your open our eyes to everything and anything all the time. I was wondering um, if you're going to do uh, uh, go with uh, maybe uh, David Gruber a little bit with your law type of thing. Uh, re uh, reestablish that a little bit sometimes, or are you going to maybe do a Jonathan Green uh, type of thing uh, where maybe you're going to have a kind of uh, what you want to call the word uh, one of your one of your things uh, commercials for for whatever it might <laughs> yeah. be. Or maybe are you going to come on back and uh, and do a once a year or once every six months uh, from Florida <laughs> and uh, do a guest uh, host uh, type of thing, fill in for Steve or whoever might be on the radio here. And, okay. and so what am I of, uh, oh. like a Jimmy Jimmy Buffett type of thing, uh, right. uh, filling in there for for one uh, segment? Well, well, James, thanks for call. I, the the answer is I don't know. Um, I, I you know I I still my law license is active, and I guess I've always thought you could do that. I I'm not sure. What that would I the answer is I don't know. I'm not sure I, I don't know what that would would look like. I mean, I said when I announced I was retiring, one of the things that I guess i'm I'm open to is doing one of the great the, the technology is such that you can fill in on radio stage. I, I don't want to do three days, three hours a day, five days a week anywhere. I don't want to do that. but if if there's a radio station in Las Vegas or in Austin, Texas or in, you know, Orlando, Florida that has their equivalent of a Jeff Wagner that needs, you know, somebody to fill in for a couple of days. I, yeah, I mean, and, and they're willing to pay me. Yeah, I, I, I mean, I'd just to kind of keep your hand in. I, I do that knowing that, you know, you, you can always say yes or no. And I'm not sure exactly what that's going to look like. And I haven't explored it and I won't as long as I'm on the payroll here, but I, I could see doing some fill-in, again, work like that if people were interested in having me. Some people are saying, we should do a podcast, and that that's a lot of work. You know, you're doing that every day, and I'm not sure that there's the interest for that. So the, the bottom line is I, I don't I don't know what's out there. I, a lot of my friends, my wife is convinced that even though I'm talking about all these things, she's convinced that once I settle down and I get my routine about – Okay, you know, hanging out, spending time with friends and, and playing golf and reading books and doing that stuff. She's convinced that I'm, I'm not going to want to do anything. And so, well, well, we'll see. So the answer is I don't know. It's one of the kind of fun things. This is the first time I've, I've, I got out of college in three and a half years. Um, went right to work at an insurance company in downtown Milwaukee and, until I, I started law school in the fall of 1979. And, and essentially, that, since that moment, I've been, you know, employed. I, I mean, full or or part time um, since since then. So I've never. I'm going to wake up Saturday. It's going to be the first time that I don't have I don't have a job. And I'm, like I say, I'm still on the payroll at the end of the month. So I'm going to wake up January first, and it's going to be the first time that I'm not on somebody's payroll somewhere. And I don't know what that's going to feel like and what it's going to look like. But that's kind of one of the fun things of life, isn't it? Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. You know you can't Okay, let's wrap up this. A lot of texts. Let me uh, go through a couple. Jeff, I was wondering, would you consider doing a podcast? Yeah. I, I You know, I, I originally I didn't think so, but I, I'm kind of considering that. The question is, can you – do you want to make that commitment and, you know, can you monetize it, to be quite honest with you? And I, I don't know the answer to that. Um, Jeff, I was wondering, did you ever get one of those old big boy statues for your home you always talked about? Not yet, but there is this pristine, like five-foot – maybe four foot tall, big boy statue outside the, um, in, in Seymour, Wisconsin, outside the, the Hamburger Museum, and I want to buy it. And I keep telling the people, I know the people that run that, if you're ever in the mood to sell it, 
just just give me a price. Um, so I, I've still got my eye on that. My wife keeps saying, what are we going to do with that? I said, we'll figure it out once we buy it. Jeff, I was wondering, was there ever a topic that you wouldn't talk about because you thought you might get canceled? The answer is no. And I want to – this is – it is a credit to all the different managers that I have had over the years. Now, since I, when I started TMJ, we were owned by Journal Communications, which was the newspaper, and it was – you know we had a whole network of radio stations and the TV stations as well. And, you know, if you will remember, there were times when – I and some of my colleagues were extremely critical of what went on at the newspaper. I, I never, I never had anybody, and I, I know that I caused all sorts of heartache for some of my bosses, you know, or heartburn at least. I can't believe he said that. Nobody ever, ever came and said, we, we don't want you to talk about this. And, and that that has been a blessing. And look, and I, I understand there are there are topics that I do where, you know, management, the individual managers at the stations over the years probably have wished I hadn't have done them or disagree with my take or or whatever. But nobody has ever, ever come in and said, Jeff, wait, you can't do this topic or you can't do that topic. I, I've had free reign. So, you know, and, you know, if so, if you agree with me or disagree with me, it's not because it's because. I'm taking this is my position I'm taking. It's not because, you know, somebody, you know, upstairs is telling me I have to take that position. And that's that's been a blessing. Not everybody can say that. Jeff, I was wondering if you ever miss practicing law. I miss I miss the U.S. attorney's office in 1987. I I miss the U.S. attorney's office in 1990. I, I loved Loved, 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 loved being a federal prosecutor back then. But it, it's different now. Time, times change. People move on. Issues change, etc. So to, to answer the question, no, I, I really I, I don't miss practicing law. I have extremely fond memories and affection for, you know, what I did back back in the day. And you can't take those um, you can't take those memories uh, away. And so and that's. And so that's kind of a that's a cool thing. But no, I don't don't miss practicing law, you know, per se. And I think most people would um, do that. Um, let's see. Um, uh, well, people give me all sorts of advice on this. I wonder. Okay, we'll we'll wrap it up on this one because I am trying to think about this. Uh, congrats on retirement. I was wondering what, in your opinion, is the greatest album of all time, not made by Jimmy Buffett. The greatest album of all time not made by Jimmy Buffett. Now, this is difficult because it's I have I mean, if you look at my like Apple iTunes account and stuff, I mean, just thousands and thousands and thousands of 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 songs and different albums. I'm kind of I'm going to say the Eagles greatest hits. But I, I might, I, I might, I'm going to think about this over the break. I reserve the right to maybe come up with something different. Okay, this was fun. Thank you for all the calls. Thank you for all the text. We move on. Coming up after the top of the hour news, well, another day, another hit and run. Stick around. Live from the Annex Wealth Management Studios at the Avenue, it's the Jeff Wagner Show. Come join the conversation on the Old National Bank Talk and Text Line 
at 855-616-1620. Old National Bank. Get old. Now, here's WTMJ's Jeff Wagner. Good afternoon, Wisconsin. Welcome to the show. Yes, we're going old school, John McCure. I like that music. Well, I used to do that. And I, I forgot. We've had many, many openings <laughs> over the fun. years. And I forgot. And then you know, Eric Bilstead did this piece on 25 Years of Wagner. And, I, and he played, like, different clips from the opens and stuff. And I thought, I... I really I like that and yeah, I, I don't do too. I don't know why we changed it other than you know we we we, we just change stuff sometimes we do just gotta change just stuff. change it up we we do just and then we change. go why did we do that we do just change stuff and, and yeah. over the years and it's it's not it's not um it's not like the host that changes I mean over, yep. over the years what's happened is you know you have people get together and said okay we're we're gonna and typically you pay a consultant a lot of money and they come up and they decide, okay, we, we want to change the branding <laughs> or imaging or whatever. And then we went through a period I was telling, and I'm, I'm not sure if you were working here or not. We went through a period where it was big with, we were jingles, Jeff Wagner. Oh, you know, no, that was before I was I, here. It probably was. We got to bring that back. Well, right. We, we had, well, <laughs> I, I didn't like it at the time, but we, 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 so we were big with, with jingles. <laughs> and then we were big with the, like the big voice guy that would go on for yeah. like an, a minute or two. I mean, oh, here are live from Radio City, fighting the good fight, trying to do the blah, 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 yeah. and, go, and, and, you know, it would delay the start of the show by a minute and a half. You know, when I first hour. started, that's how it was. You right. know? Doing what you know needs to be done right. from the heart of downtown <laughs> to the great state of Wisconsin. Right, yeah. He's the guy. It's on top of it. All. Yeah, right. it went on forever. It, it went on forever. Yeah. And, and then they play, like, film clips and things like that. It was kind of – so we, we've gone through all sorts of different changes. And I, I've always been a minimalist. But, again, it's – it's it's one of these things where there's only so many battles you can fight. So I walk in, okay, we've changed your imaging and all. <laughs> all right. And you know, my my only question is, okay, well, you, you know, am I am I still getting paid every two weeks? And, <laughs> okay. <laughs> and that's, that's, that's fine. Go ahead. That's it. Then then it then then it all works out. Yeah. Okay. Well, we'll see you back here in about an hour. I'll be or back. So, all right. Um, okay. This is um, there, there's a text that came in, and first of all, I want to apologize. We have we've gotten, I have gotten. Hundreds, probably thousands, certainly hundreds, I don't want to exaggerate, of, of emails and texts from people, you know, especially in like the last week or two as the, the reality of leaving the, the show comes in. And, and it, I, I can't read them all. Um, and I, I just I can't even acknowledge them all just because the way they've come in. But um, I, I, I do. I read them all. I just can't read them all in the air. I, I read them all and I, I appreciate the sentiment. And here's um. Here's one that kind of got me. Uh, Jeff, since you first announced you were leaving WTMJ for a well-deserved retirement, I've been trying to figure out why I felt a profound sense of sadness. Today, I finally figured out why. For your listeners who live alone, and I'm sure there are many, you have become more than a well-respected talk show host. You've become a friend. We look forward to listening to you. That's the best compliment I can give. Yes, there is a tear in my eye as I send you this Godspeed. That, um, that is an incredible compliment to, to pay. And I, I, I view this the same way. I mean, I, I know it's kind of a cliche, and I, I say this as somebody who did television for six and a half years, and I know one of my standard lines is people people recognize you from TV. Hey, you're that guy on Channel 4, but they know you from radio because it's it's just such a personal medium in the way we, we communicate. And I, I made a decision years and years ago when I was doing this radio show that I was going to, I was going to tell stories about my life and I was going to, I was going to use the people that are in my life as kind of like this revolving cast of characters for, for stuff that, that, that happens, you know, because, and then use it kind of as a larger, um, larger to make larger points and things like that. So I've, 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 I've shared 
you know, over the years. I, I've shared like the ups and I, I've shared the downs of that. And you have been listening to me during, again, some of the good times and some of the like really, really bad times that have happened over the years. And and I, I hope that we consider ourselves to be friends. I, I realize the power of spoken word, word radio. And I, I've told the story before, but one more time. I, I've realized the the power of spoken word radio. I'd probably been doing the show for maybe four or five years, and I was getting an award from the Milwaukee Police Association back in the day. So I'm I'm there at the event, and this this woman comes up to me, and I think she worked for the union or worked for the police. I'm not sure exactly what, and she she's she's kind of got a tear in her eye, and she says, "I can't listen to your show anymore." And I said, why? She said, well, and then she started telling me a story. She said, my, my mom, who, who just passed away, my mom was your biggest fan. And she was in her 90s. She listened. She built her day around your radio program. And I would go over and I'd say, you know, mom, want to go out to lunch? She said, no, I don't want to go out to lunch. I want to say, I, I, I got to listen to my boy. That's what she would say. She said, I got to listen to my boy. And this lady's telling me the story. So I, I couldn't get her out to go to lunch. So what would happen is a couple times a week, I'd come over and I'd sit and we'd sit at the kitchen table and I'd have lunch with my mom and, you know, we'd, we'd eat, we'd eat lunch together, you know, and, and we'd have you on in, in the background and stuff. And I thought, how, how cool is that? Now, she's telling me the story. She said, I just haven't been able to listen because, you know, I just I associate, you know, your program with my this time with my and she's starting to tear up. I'm starting to tear up. And I remember I mean, I remember thinking and this is this is probably 20 years ago, if not more. I thought this is this is so amazing. And and how lucky am I to do this that you can, you know, have people that relate to you in, in this in this way, and how cool is that? And and I, I decided, and I've always said this, I decided right at that moment that if it all ended tomorrow, and, and it didn't, thankfully, but if it all ended tomorrow, I was so far ahead on points that it, it wouldn't be funny. And that's, and that's kind of how I feel about this. So I appreciate that. And if you um, agree with me or disagree with me about issues, that doesn't matter. Um, if, if you feel that you know, we've we've been friends or we've become friends. I appreciate that. And if we've run into each other in, quote, unquote, real life outside the studio, I hope I hope I have been gracious because um, I, I've always appreciated the fact that, you know, people do, in fact, you know, listen to the show and allow me to make this living. So that's um, that one kind of got me, you know, and I'm, and I'm getting I mean, I'm getting a lot of that. A lot of folks who uh, grew up and we don't realize this, who like grew up. Um, listening to me, you know, because their parents listened to me and they were teenagers and now they have their own kids and they're listening to the show. I mean, how cool is that? What a great way to make a living. So thank you, Milwaukee. Thank you, Southeastern Wisconsin. Thank you, world, for, for giving me this wonderful opportunity. Okay, when we come back, it is a battle I have been fighting for decades. I don't think I'm any closer to winning. I'll explain. We'll discuss. There are disappointments, unfinished business, things of of the like. One of those issues, and it, it's it, it seems if it seems like I've been talking about it for twenty five years, it's probably because I have been talking about it for twenty five years, and it, it hasn't gotten better. And it, I'm not sure it's going to get better. I, I I speak about Northridge Mall on the you know northwest side of town northridge and for those of you who are unfamiliar with you know what was northridge in its heyday uh, originally um you had the, the, the first well the, there was mayfair that was probably the first big and closed shopping mall 
But you had Southridge, which is a huge mega mall that is still there, kind of in a diminished form, but it's still there. And after you had Southridge, a few years later, you had you had Northridge. And if you were a kid like I was, you know, growing up in you know that period of time, you growing up in the seventy, you go to Northridge. That was the place that we hung out. And there were movie theaters and there were restaurants. And my you know one of my close friends worked at Farrell's, which was a restaurant there and stuff. And that that is where you hung out on weekends. It was this thriving shopping mall. And then a variety of things started to happen. And I you know we don't need to go through all of that, but. There, the, the neighborhood started changing. Um, what happened is you had some, a, a lot of suburban women from the suburbs, for example, stopped shopping there. So a lot of the higher end stores or the more desirable stores closed. And so then you, you start, the mall got into this kind of death spiral where you, you didn't, there wasn't anything there that was attracting people. And so businesses started closing. You had some high profile instances, including there used to be a TGI Fridays in the ring around Northridge. And you had a guy who killed his wife and then falsely claimed that it was a couple kids that did it. And that, it, even though that was quickly disproved, that kind of stuck there. But Northridge has been a, a, a deteriorating eyesore for the better part of a couple decades now. And then what happened a while back is you had this, this this company based in China with its American affiliate who came in and they said, okay, here's what we're going to do. We're going to start an Asian trademark and, and we're going to revitalize Northridge. And they spent these this a little bit of money on these great plans and they'd show the plans. And, oh, this would be great. Well, n- nobody who knew anything about real estate or shopping malls ever thought that that had any chance to succeed. And, and it hasn't. So what's happened over the years is Northridge has just been allowed to deteriorate and deteriorate and deteriorate. And we all know the status that state it's in now. You know, there's been multiple fires that the fire chief once it condemned. You've had an electrician who was killed, you know, while he was working in there. Kids break into it. It's just a mess. Plus, you have this huge chunk of, of land, you know, on 76th and, and Brown Deer that goes, you know, west for blocks and blocks. That's that, that there's nothing there. And the city, to its credit, has been trying to foreclose on this property and and get rid of it, raise it, R-A-Z-E, tear it down. And the, the Chinese company has been fighting this at, at every step, and they've managed to successfully block this. There was an opportunity to end this all uh, not that long ago where you had a company, a local company, that came in and said, hey, look, we're going to buy it. We're going to take care of maintaining it. We're going to turn it into storage and things like that. And then, you know, we're hoping to grow it from there. Uh, The mayor of the city of Milwaukee stuck up his nose and said, well, we we, we don't want that. We want something, you know, we we have, you know, higher uses planned for that. And so they, they shot this down. So now it continues to be the decaying eyesore that it was. The new development is that the Tony Evers has taken $15 million in what is federal money, COVID money, and he's going to give it to the city that they can use to at least underwrite partially the cost of tearing down Northridge when they get the permission to do it and doing the asbestos abatement and things like that. So th- that that's going to be a relief on the uh, on, on Milwaukee. But that still doesn't change the fact that you've got this big chunk of land that's landlocked on 76th and, and Brown Deer going west it's still got a lot of the issues with regard to the neighborhoods that are surrounding it that you had, you know, that, that caused Northridge to, to go downhill in the first place. 
And while there's people in the city who say, "Oh, this is our idea. We're going to we want to we want to have mixed use development, and we want to have apartments, and we want to have condos, and we want to have shopping, and we have all all this stuff." I, I mean, my point has always been, okay, we we have to get real and and seriously. Who's going to come in and make that kind of investment? I mean, you've got investment that's going on in parts of of the area. But you've got this landlocked space. And by landlocked, I mean you're not close to freeways. It is relatively hard to get to. You've got neighborhood issues that are there. All right. Our number is 855-616-1620. That is the old National Bank talk and text line. I'm, you know, I'm, I'm departing. So I'm not going to be able to talk about this. But this is my question. I mean, five years from now, five years from now, what do you think is going to be on that spot? Is it going to be any materially different than it is now. Is there going to be a thriving multi-use community that, that's built there? Are you going to have houses? Are you going to have condos? Are you going to have retail? Are you going to have light industrial? Is it going to be thriving? Is this the new, you know, I know Drexel Park, you know, center or, or whatever? Is that going to be Northridge? Or five years from now, is it still going to be a moonscape? 855-616-1620. We discuss in a moment. Now, I understand, you know, one of one of our Wagnerisms is that, you know, hope is not a, a plan. And, and, you know, you see that so often around here in Milwaukee. And it's like, well, we hope that this works. All right. You know, we've got the old vacant Sears store on, on North Avenue. And, you know, that that's that's an economically challenged area of town. And so we've got some developer who wants a whole bunch of public money to turn it into a high end hotel. Well, OK, you, you can't if you wanted to figure out if you want to try to pick a worse spot to put a high end hotel, it would have been in that that location, you know, to the old Sears store on North Avenue. That's just the reality. But, of course, the city of Milwaukee hopes that that'll work out. So they take a whole bunch of taxpayer money and they literally pee it away by giving it to the developer. Nothing ends up happening. The money gets spent. And now, you know, we're on to plan C or plan D when anybody, everybody knew that this this wasn't going to work. It was it just but we hope we hope this is going to go go well. Well, that's the same thing, I think, going on with, with Northridge here. You have to recognize what is possible. I understand. You have all these people who hope it could be what it was in 1980, you know, a thriving shopping center that brings in all sorts of people and has all these businesses and then attracts all this stuff. I understand. That's what we hope. But but hope is not a plan. There's no evidence at all that anything like that is going to happen. And as a matter of fact, so then when you have the, the well-respected private company from here who comes in and says, hey, we're we're going to spend our money. We're willing to take on these costs. We're willing to do this development. And, you know, we're, we're going to turn it into like storage. And then, you know, our hope is that we'll continue to grow this. And if we're successful, that means that maybe some other businesses will start up around here. And the mayor sticks his nose in the air and says, well, that's 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 not a very good use for this. Okay. Well, well that's that's great. Show me the plan. Show me where people have been for the last 20 years to come up and do meaningful stuff with that. 
1620. Jeff, my hope is the area will be a manufacturing area similar to the factory park in Menominee Falls. I don't foresee that retail development work in the area anymore. It would be nice to have businesses move in there and provide more jobs to people in the northwest side of Milwaukee. It, it would. But I guess the question is, who are those businesses going to be and where where should that um, work out? Jeff, they're never going to do anything with it because the city will never make up its mind. They won't be happy with anything that's there. Um, yeah, I think, you know, that's it. Now, a number of people are saying it's a perfect place for a prison. Um, well, I think it would have been part of that land would have been a great location for like a juvenile facility. Keep in mind, you know, we're already building at an extremely high rate, uh, high cost. We're building a juvenile facility a few miles south that's already way too small. So, yeah, I, I think that that's something that you could have considered doing. But there, there's no plan. There's no vision. It's just, okay, if we spend millions of dollars to tear it down, they will come. Well, okay, why do we think that? Steve in Oak Creek. Steve, you're on WTMJ. Yeah, my recommendation for that property is to turn it into a solar energy uh, facility, partially owned by the city of Milwaukee and We Energies. It's a huge piece of property. It's open now to the east, south, and west. There's already transmission lines to the far west side of it. It would be a fantastic location for a solar energy facility. You think uh, would you need the? You think that the private sector would invest in that, or would you need a substantial commitment of public money to make that work? I think we energies would invest in it. If all kind of tax deductions now, you know, approved technology for solar. I'm sorry, Steve. Your 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 cell phone was cutting out there. He said we energies would invest in it. Well, um, could be. I mean, nope. I guess. See, I look at this and say that the fact that that nobody's been willing to come forward and do anything with it for the last couple decades. And I understand you've had this, you know, this, this Chinese outfit that, that's owned the land. But my guess is if there was anybody that was really willing to pay them any amount of money at all to get out from under this, they would have taken advantage of that. Jeff, at best, it will be finally be demolished and just be a flat piece of ground. But what there should be there is, I think, housing for juvenile delinquents and a school uh, to teach them some types of of trade. Um, yeah, I, I mean, I look, you, I understand everybody out there is hoping that this is redeveloped in some form or fashion. I'm just telling you that five years from now. So here we are. It's, you know, 2023, you know, Christmas 2023, you know, five years from now, you know, what is Northridge going to look like? And, and my my guess is that yeah yeah maybe Northridge proper will be you know raised torn down, but um, will this be thriving businesses? Uh, I don't know because my, again my question is if you're a business person and you've got some money to invest and all, why why are you putting it there instead of I mean somewhere else? And if that investment is going out at Northridge, is it coming at the expense of you know some of the other areas in the city that we have tried to develop as well, like like Century City, where you had good businesses that wanted to go in there but ended up not doing it because the city decided, well, this isn't the kind of business that we want. Kind of like they decided at Northridge, well, this, this storage place, that's not the kind of business that we want. Well, sometimes beggars cannot be choosers. Back with more in just a minute. This is Jeff Wagner. Well, I hope you have fun splashing in the slack top. 
Unchaperoned over on the flip side I write what I know about, made up or true These songs aren't for me, they're for you Memories like meteors That's the late Jimmy Buffett. That's his second, that's from uh, Life on the Flip Side, his second last album. I cannot believe Jimmy Buffett passed away. It's just, it's it's weird. You know, we talked about this when it happened. And I, I never met Jimmy Buffett, but I was just a huge fan. And I'm, but there's... There's people in your life, you know, and, 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 I mean, again, he, he was a musician. I mean, I never knew him personally, but, you know, you just figure that they're always going to be there. And then all of a sudden you get this news one Saturday morning that they passed away after a long illness and stuff. And you go, wow, you know, there's not going to be any more new stuff coming out and things like that. Although they've just opened up this huge Margaritaville in, um, Fort Myers. I've got some dear friends who were, were there a day or two after the opening, and they're telling me, they're sending me pictures of this. So I'm, I'm going to figure out a way to get to, I'm going to figure out a way to get to Margaritaville sometime in the next, you know, few weeks and stuff. But that's, uh, that, you know, that's Jimmy Buffett. All right. Speaking of music, um, during the I Was Wondering segment, one of the last questions was, other than something by Jimmy Buffett, name your favorite album. And I just, my, my initial reaction was, uh, the Eagles greatest hits, but I, 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 that, that's a compilation, so I'm not sure that that's fair. I've been thinking about it. Um, rumors, I think Rumors by Fleetwood Mac. That that's 1978, 1979. That I think that would be it. Every song was a winner, and that has um, that has some that has some special significance um, to me. We this was back in the day when you you didn't you couldn't order like tickets to concerts online. What you had to do is you had to go to like Ticketmaster, and there was there was a Sears store at Bayshore, and they had like this little Ticketmaster thing. You had to stand in line, and you 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 you'd get the tickets, and they'd give you physically the tickets. They they print them out. And Fleetwood Mac had announced two days of shows at Alpine Valley, and Alpine Valley had just opened up, and then they announced the third show. So we say, hey, well let, let's go get tickets, and we got tickets, and stupidly we got these tickets. We didn't realize they were front row seats. So we we get there, and they keep pushing us closer and closer. We're in the front row at Fleetwood Mac, and um. Just a, a, among, you know, my my friends, and I was there with my buddy Steve and my friend John, who passed away a couple of years ago. And we just had we had a tremendous time. And so I've always I've always had an affection for Fleetwood. I've always had an affection for Fleetwood Mac. It kind of hit home several years ago. They were playing at Summerfest. I don't remember how many years ago, other than uh, my my first wife was still alive then. And I remember we went there and. Um, all the guys, all, I mean, you want to talk about making you feel old, all the guys, it seemed to me they, they were all like bald with like the ponytails, like the, the, and the ponytails were like gray, you know, so you could tell these were all kind of all the aging hippies who, you know, had, were, were now in their, their 70s themselves or whatever. And I thought, my gosh, that's, um, it, it was quite a change from 1978 or 1979. The term is zombie TV. All right, what is Zombie TV? Zombie TV is a station that shows predominantly reruns. Now, a, a number of years ago, there was all sorts of, all over cable television. There were there were new shows. Breaking Bad. I mean, Breaking Bad debuted scripted TV. Breaking Bad debuted on on AMC, right? And it became like like much watch must watch TV. But you had all these different networks that would produce their their own shows. USA, cable network. All right, just just about eight years ago, 
USA had all this original programming. Suits. Everybody I know is watching Suits and reruns now. Suits and Royal Pains and Mr. Robot. I mean, all these were on USA Today. AMC, the same sort of thing. Had all this original programming. Now, almost all of these stations, beyond reality TV, beyond like Gold Rush or something like that, almost all of these these basic cable channels, the TBS, the TNT, the AMC, the USA, all of those stations that we watch, they're, they're pretty much all, all zombie TV. I mean, here's the way the New York Times describes it. Viewership way down. USA's original programming department is gone. The channel had just one original scripted show this year, and it's not exclusive to the network. It also airs on another channel. During one 46-hour stretch last week, USA showed repeats of NBC's Law & Order Special Victims Unit for all but two hours when it showed reruns of CBS's NCIS or NCIS Los Angeles. Most of the popular channels, TBS, Comedy Central, MTV, USA, they've all quickly morphed into zombie versions of their former self. In other words, all all they're showing is reruns. And the question becomes, how is that sustainable? Most of the new scripted programming, not all, but most of it, if not almost all of it, it's it's on the streaming services. If you want to watch you know, a, a new a new show that's that's coming out that's not on the network TV. Well, then you know you're 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 on you're on Peacock or you're on Amazon Prime or you're on Hulu or you're on the Disney Channel or you're on Max or one of those. If you want the scripted programming, that that's where you are. And it's raising the question of is, is this going to kill cable once and for all? If all they're showing on these different cable channels are essentially reruns of things and reruns of shows that, by the way, in most cases, you can stream on some of these other streaming services. Is there going to be a future for cable? Our number, 855-616-1620. That's the old National Bank talk and text line. All right, it's zombie TV now. Most cable programming, and it's not originally scripted shows, it's all reruns. And is that sustainable as more and more people cut the cord? People still want entertainment. They still want new entertainment. The streaming services are filling that. But are, are you going to pay however much you have to pay to watch a USA or a TBS or a TNT that is primarily reruns of shows that you've either seen or you can get elsewhere like on streaming services? at your um whenever you want 855-616-1620 we discuss in a moment one of our texters says hey the, the shield which was a great police drama what wasn't that on usa no that was on fx but remember you, you you had the shield and then you had that motorcycle show sons of anarchy i mean that that was on fx they don't those those shows aren't on anymore now there is some reality tv i think fx still shows um that their their, their big one is the uh the soccer thing, the welcome to Wrexham. But, you know, that, that's kind of a reality show. One of the things you're seeing is more and more of these basic cable channels are, are switching from, from streaming services, uh, to, uh, from switching from, like, live TV, and now they're, they're, they show reruns primarily. And I guess the question becomes, all right, are, are people going to continue to pay money to essentially watch reruns? Reruns, by the way, that if you have streaming services, you can you can watch them as well. I mean, it's not like... 
it, it's not like if you want to watch Friends, you can only go to, to TBS to watch Friends. Let's talk to Eric and Racine. Eric, you're on WTMJ. Hello. Hello, Jeff. Uh, I just want to congratulate you on your retirement. You. I'm going to miss you. I love listening to you. Thank you. Uh, I sent you a text uh, a couple days ago about it, too. Thank you. Um, but what I, what I am saying is I remember when the uh, streaming services came out and everybody was all excited and how cheap it was going to be and, and everything and cutting their cable. Well, now all you hear is people complaining about how expensive it is. Yeah. You know, oh, uh, Discovery Plus, you got to pay $8 for just that one one channel. Yeah. So yeah, I prefer to keep my, my cable and have all the channels because by the time you get all the channels you really want to be able to go to to watch your certain shows, you're going to be paying as much as you are with cable. How many, Eric, how many... I, you know, I was thinking about this the other day because I've got, you know, the, the full cable package and the streaming things as well. And I just I I don't even want to think about how much it all costs me. <laughs> you know, I got to put that aside. But I mean, of, of the, the cable channels, I mean, how many do you think you watch on a regular basis? On a regular basis, I can yeah. tell you that I watch um, one, two, discover, man, I watch more than 10. Oh, OK. On a regular basis, I because I will go from one one station to another station after a show or in between commercials and try to check it out and that, okay. you know, and then the ESPNs, they, all the ESPNs have different, right. different, uh, games on it. There's just so many okay. different channels and well, I like it. And I, $260 for the cable that I have, but I've got, I've got so many TVs and, yeah. and that, uh, the boxes, the equipment is what's the cost. Right. Well, Eric, no, thanks. And I get, I'm, I'm trying to think, I mean, in all honesty, okay, for me, um, the, the channels that I watch on a regular basis is, I mean, Discovery, History, ESPN, you know, a couple of the news channels, probably less than 10. I, I mean, on a, on a regular basis, which isn't to say that you might not be channel surfing and you see, oh, there's an interesting movie there that you watch, but probably less than, than 10. I, I'm just saying that the, the, the lack of new content and content was always what what drove you? Oh, I want I want to watch Breaking Bad, you know. So here, I, I I need to have you know AMC or I want to watch Sons of Anarchy. All the, I want to watch Suits or whatever. All that stuff is starting to, to go away, which is just again another one of these challenges that are out there. Um, Jeff, my wife and I have the internet, and everything we watch is off Roku. We we never watch anything new. Um, we've been stuck watching The Price is Right from the Bob Barker era from the last two months because it's unbelievable from the mid-'80s. Um, no, so they've gone, again, to, to the to the Roku thing. Jeff, how long do you think these streaming services like Hulu, Paramount, etc., will keep streaming these? My experience is that once um, everyone quits something and goes to something better, they start charging. I'd hate to get rid of my dish satellite, but there's going to be charges eventually down the road on all these other streaming services. Well, that that's see, that's the interesting thing that's out there because these streaming services, they're, they're hemorrhaging money. Um, okay, Peacock, which is the, the NBC streaming service, and Peacock has... I, I have it because I like a couple of their shows, but I also I, they've, they've got English Premier League soccer, which I, I like to watch. Um, they've got the WWE, but they've got shows. That, uh, they, P, NBC said that Peacock would lose $2.8 billion this year. 2.8 B as in billion dollars. So you get to this point where, um, you know, 
one of the things that's going on is that you, you, you can't lose that kind of money all the time. So you wonder if the streaming model is, is how long that that's going to be, you know, how long it's going to work. In 2015, TBS and TNT aired 17 scripted shows. These would be new shows that they produced. This year, they've got a total of three series. So it's down from, again, it's down from 17 to three. And what they do is, they again, they fill it with, they fill it with with reruns of stuff, which is how they have to do it. But if you're if you're selling cable, and I'm not anti-cable at all, but if you're selling cable and you're trying to say, okay, you know, we here's the value we want you to buy this type of stuff, you say, okay, well, all right, what what do you have to offer? Well, we've got USA. Well, it's it's got reruns now. Re, or we got TNT or we got TBS, and it, it's it's reruns of shows. And you say, okay, well, I, I mean, I like these shows, but it, it's reruns. Is that enough to support it? Zombie TV, it is coming your way. Let's take a quick break. When we come back, we'll find out what John and Greg have on their minds for Wisconsin's Afternoon News.